Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, President at Paulson. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. Today, we'll be visiting with Suzanne Wasson from Dow AgriSciences. Suzanne is the U.S. commercial leader of the crop protection business, which actually encompasses a lot of territory, including row crops, range and pasture, industrial vegetation management, turf and ornamental, and pest management. Suzanne is unique for Spark in that her career has been exclusively at Dow and spanned many different roles. Suzanne, I think for the Spark audience, it'll be fascinating to learn what your journey within Dow has been like. So let's start out by talking about your current role and perhaps what a perfect workday is like for you. My current role is I lead the marketing organization and our business and customer services group for Dow AgriSciences, working closely with our sales organization. And we're really focused on taking our technology and bringing it to a customer, which can be a distributor, a retailer, or a farmer. We spend a lot of time looking at the markets, analyzing the markets, figuring out where there are needed products and putting those through a development track, and ultimately trying to look for opportunities to bring new technology and, and new innovations to farmers, because we know that uh, long-term, having more yield to feed more people in this growing uh, world population is what's really important at Dow. What is a perfect day for me? I think a perfect day for me would be um, I could start the morning having a discussion about forecasting for the current month or quarter. Um, I could then move into talking about a new product development with a couple of my marketing folks on what is the product positioning and where would we price that product. I could then move into having a people discussion with someone on a career development path and talking with them about what they want to do, not only today, but what they see themselves doing in the future. So I think what I like about working with Dow is my day can start in one uh, area and end in another and have multiple different things that I uh, can help influence the business and help influence folks' career going forward. Well, that is an overwhelming amount of different things that it seems like you get to touch every day. And I'm, I'm guessing that that's, you know, looking at your LinkedIn profile and seeing all the roles that you've had there, that all of that prepared you for where you are right now. Each role prepared me for the next role, and, and I tell folks that it's really hard to know when you're coming out of college to say, this is exactly what I want to do in life. I have a really good friend, and I met her when I was in fourth grade, and she was 10 years old, and she came up to me and said, hi, I'm Lisa, and I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. What are you going to be? <laughs> and I said, I didn't know. I had no idea. And uh, today she's a doctor with the CDC in Atlanta, which I was always so amazed because I had no idea at 10 years old. And even when I graduated, when I started with Dow, I was an accountant. My goal through college was to land a job in the financial arena of an agriculture company. But after doing a couple of finance jobs within Dow for three years, I decided I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more involved in the business. Why are they making decisions on pricing and why are they selling more of this and less of that? I thought, you know, that's what I really want to do. I want to be more involved in the business. So I do give advice to folks. You're never going to know for sure with your first job if that's really going to be your passion for your whole career. So at that point, three years into uh, my career with Dow, I made a, a change and became a sales rep. 
uh, for Dow selling the row crop products and range and pasture products in Kansas. And I, I will tell you, it was one of the best decisions I ever made, though I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. But I love sales, and I've been in the sales and marketing and commercial world uh, of Dow ever since. That's a very big switch from your background, which apparently was in accounting and your education too, I take it was kind of along those lines. It was. I have my degree in agriculture uh, economics and accounting from Oklahoma State and a master's in agriculture economics from Texas A&M. Did you get those back to back? I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you stayed in school till you got all the way through your master's. I did. Okay. I'm not sure I would do that again, but at the time it seemed like the right thing to do. And actually I thought I wanted to get my PhD, but after completing my thesis, I was thinking I was pretty much done with college. So <laughs> just wanted to go to work after that. Well, I think it's always interesting for our audience to know kind of what happened in college and how you made your decisions to get there and get through. Sometimes we hear of people taking a good 10 or 15 years and then they go back and get a, a master's or a PhD. So maybe you talk a little bit about how your early life prepared you for the education choice that you made and the career that you ended up in? I was born in Odessa, Texas. My family on my dad's side was in the cattle business, but um, initially out of college, he went into the real estate business with my great-grandfather, saved up enough money, and then we uh, moved to eastern Oklahoma when I was uh, very young and got into the cattle business. My life was spent growing up around cattle. We showed cattle um, all through junior high and high school. And I think really when you have to take care of animals before school and after school, and I was involved in band and sports, my day started before school with the animals and it ended after I got home from practice. There really wasn't any time to do much else, but I think it taught me a lot about work ethic and about when you know, you're committed to something that you stay the course and do that. I've never been one that that worried about how many hours in a day I worked. I just wanted to make sure that I did the best job that I could. That applied back when I was showing cattle and, and going through high school, up through college, and, and in, my, uh, in my work today. Yeah, there's not a lot of latitude with livestock. They need care every day. They're a great way to learn learn those skills. Were there any surprises along the way as you were thinking about college and headed into your career? Was there anything that kind of was a pivot point for you? As I mentioned, I'd always had an affinity for numbers, and that's really what led me into more of a finance-type career choice initially. I started out, actually, as a business major at Oklahoma State, and I just didn't feel like there was a, a sense of belonging there. My dad uh, had his degree from Oklahoma State in animal science, and he suggested that I talk to some of the professors in the College of Ag. They said, well, you can get an accounting degree and a degree in ag economics. You can have the best of both worlds, and you can be in the College of Ag. And I took a couple of courses there, and I was like, wow, I really feel like this is home for me. And I felt comfortable there. I was still getting the accounting degree that I, that I thought I wanted, but I was also in a college where I felt very comfortable, where I felt welcome, and I just felt that I belonged there. I do think that that was a, a pivotal decision um, to do that, and it really set me on the course to be in agriculture. Even though I'd grown up in agriculture, I wasn't sure that I would end up with a career there, and I, I wouldn't change a thing. It's been, it's been a wonderful 
27 years with Dow. Do you think that you felt comfortable in the College of Ag because of your background, or was it just that the people that were there made you feel comfortable? I talked to a lot of new hires at Dow AgriSciences, and they asked me to talk about the culture of Dow AgriSciences. And so I always use this analogy. When I was getting my degree in accounting, we would go um, in for a midterm or a test. If anybody in the class had a, a test from a test file or from the prior year, they really wouldn't share it in my accounting classes because it was every man for himself and you know everybody was competitive versus everybody. When I was in the College of Agriculture, there would be the test file from the AGR house or farmhouse and everybody would be copying it for everybody. It wasn't that the students weren't competitive. It just wasn't necessarily competitive with each other. And I always use that to explain the culture at Dow Agri-Sciences because while we have a lot of great people who are competitive, it's all about how can we work together to, to all be better. I felt very much that, that sense in the College of Ag, and I think that's why I, I wanted to uh, pursue my degrees there. I always feel like people choose a career in agriculture, you know, for many, many, many different reasons. But to stay in agriculture, honestly, I think it's because of the people. It's just different. The people that grow things just seem to be cut out of a different cloth. Well, that's nice that that translated then over in, into Dow. So you kind of found your home there, too, right away. Absolutely. I always looked back, even when I was in my accounting jobs that I said I didn't really like that much, um, I really liked the people that I worked with. And I think just the fact that I had a network established that I could pursue other options in a career path with Dow, I don't know that you would get that same reception everywhere if you're an accountant saying, hey, I'd like to try to be a sales rep, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, with an ag background to begin with, even though I was an accountant or a bean counter, I had that opportunity that it turned out to be um, a great opportunity and one that really uh, catapulted me into the rest of my career. So can you maybe talk a little bit about someone or some situation or something that was important to you develop or when you felt more, most supported in your career? You've talked a little bit about having a network established. Maybe that was your, your secret. Yeah. You know, I think if I look at having a mentor, I, I do a lot of mentoring here at Dow AgriSciences, but I was fortunate to have several what I would consider very good mentors. One gentleman was in marketing, and the first time I met him, I was a junior marketer, and I came into uh, the U.S. business in the Midwest. Growing up in Oklahoma, I didn't know a tremendous amount about corn and soybeans, and my first real product management job was managing the corn products for Dow. This mentor was managing the soybean products. We hit it off very well. I really felt like when we would negotiate, there were a lot more companies in the crop protection business at that time. There's been a lot of consolidation over the past 25 plus years, but we were very good kind of yin and yang almost in terms of negotiating with our competitors and working on co-promotions. I ended up getting a different job and moving into um, a district sales manager job, but I just remembered thinking how he worked, how he networked, and I thought, I want to keep in touch with this person. And I felt really comfortable asking him questions and that he didn't judge me, you know, because I didn't know anything. And that's one thing that I, I really emphasize with people. When, when you find a mentor 
that really works. It's someone that you really feel comfortable with. You can have a lot of casual people from a mentor perspective, but if you have a really strong mentor that actually can become a sponsor for you, it's typically someone that you really connect with and that you feel comfortable with. And you can ask those awkward questions or the ones that you wouldn't want to ask your boss. And I felt that way. So uh, no matter when I left and went overseas for Dow and when I came back into the U.S., I always kept in, in touch with him. And he turned into not only be a mentor, but be a sponsor for me and has really helped me in my career. Fortunately for me, I picked the right person from someone that one I, I connected with and he did very well um, in his career. He, uh, his name is Tim Hassinger and he's the CEO for, for Dow Sciences today. You did pick the right person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. So. so did you formally reach out to him and say, you know, I really feel like I need help or I need mentorship or I would like a sponsor? Did you, just for our audience, what's a good approach to finding a mentor? When I moved on to my next job after working in marketing with him, I said, you know, I would really appreciate the opportunity to stay in touch with you. And if there's questions I have as I've become a district sales manager, I know you've done that job. I would really be interested in just keeping an open dialogue. And I think that's the way it's been for for a long time. Um, I've worked directly for him as well. We have a very open, honest relationship. So sometimes that could be awkward when I ended up working for him. When you have that good uh, mentor relationship, it's extremely valuable. I also want people to understand that it's on the mentee to be the one that drives that relationship. You can't expect a mentor to be the one that is always picking up the phone, calling you, saying, how, you're do how are you doing? And, and I'm very clear with the people that I mentor that I'm happy to do it, but they need to drive the relationship and they need to be the one that schedules the meeting or comes prepared to talk about a specific issue. Well, that is awesome advice for our Spark audience because I oftentimes I feel like they might be a little intimidated about that mm -hmm. idea of asking someone for starters that's a senior person to them for even a minute of time, but to, to drive the relationship into the future, that's, that's really good advice. And it's okay to have an initial discussion with someone about that and then decide that there's not a fit. And that's okay because you're not going to click with every person that you interact with if, if you're trying to look for, for mentors. So it's also okay to say, yep, this isn't, this isn't a good relationship or it's not a good fit or I'm not sure I'm comfortable. So it's okay to try something and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Most people who mentor understand that as well. I think it definitely needs to be a personality fit there and, and just a, a direction and you may outgrow a mentor you know, at some point or hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, mentors retire. They do different things as well. So I think it's important that you have more than one. You get out of a mentor relationship what you put into it. You are so right. Yeah, that is very, very true. And you had talked a little bit about network again. And so thinking about your mentors as, as part of the network is probably pretty important. I really encourage women especially to try to build a network outside of their immediate work group because I, I do think that we tend to become very well acquainted and comfortable with our immediate work group, the people that we work with every day. But a lot of times what I tell people is, the ability for you to get that next job or that next opportunity really depends on how many people know you. And if there's only people in your immediate work group that know you, then a lot of times it's not that you don't compete for a job, but you're not even considered 
because nobody's aware of you or what your skills and capabilities are. That opportunity to network outside of your work group, I think, is really important, especially if you're with a big uh, company like I am. I had the fortune through my accounting jobs to interact with a lot of finance people, a lot of R&D people, and a lot of commercial people. And even when I left finance, I tried to keep those relationships open so I had a larger network than I would have if said I just started with uh, with sales and that was the only group that I really knew. So I'm kind of curious um, if you can tell us any stories that you got about what a big obstacle might have been in your career and how you overcame it. I don't know that I would consider it an obstacle, but it was kind of like the elephant in the room. And in most of my roles with Dow, I was the only female, whether it was in my sales district or in my marketing group. When I was a global business leader for Dow, leading one of our regional commercial units, which I do today, I'm still the only female. So I've had to kind of go through that cycle. I've always really said that if you'll just give me the same opportunity that you'll give any, you know, guy, I'll prove myself. I do think that in some cases I've had to work harder and longer to be able to get the same roles, but I will say as a female in agriculture I've been given great opportunities and been allowed to um, succeed or fail on my own. My hope is that I've broken down some of the barriers for future females. If we look at our sales organization in Dow today, we're about 40% female, which is fantastic compared to where it was 20 years ago. We mirror the land-grant universities in terms of what the college graduates are coming out of ag. It's almost 50% female today. So if you're going to hire the top talent in agriculture out of college today, you're going to be hiring women, which, which I think is great. 30% of my marketing organization is female today. As I said, when I was in marketing, I was the only female. We've come a long way. I I still think there's a lot of work to do. Part of that is really around how do we balance what we do. And I don't necessarily call it work-life balance. I call it work-life choices because you're always making a choice. Are you going to be focusing on one or the other? But helping people understand that you can do both and there's times when it's appropriate to be more focused at work and times when it's appropriate to be more focused, you know, on the family side of things. We can make those things work. And I feel like we've come a long way from from that perspective. If we're going to have the best workforce, we have to be able to be flexible and have those opportunities for people coming coming up in the organization. And I see a lot of companies that are kind of realizing it. That's just the new reality of it is if 50% of the graduates are coming out, then we need to make sure we can accommodate that, accommodate the reality mm-hmm. of life as a, as quite possibly a wife and mother. So can you maybe talk a little bit about, you've already given us quite a bit of really good advice, but are there some specific things in terms of advice for young women who are just starting out in their careers? Don't think too small in terms of what the opportunities are. I came to work for Dow Elanco at the time um, in 1990. It was a joint venture between Dow Chemical and um, Eli Lilly's crop protection business, which was called Elanco. At that point, my sphere of what jobs were available in this big company, I had no idea other than I was an accountant for the R&D group. The more I explored, the more that I realized there's a lot of opportunities here, way beyond just being a financial analyst or an accountant. One thing that is really important early on is to understand how your company or whoever you work for 
what are the opportunities? How could you build a career? I mean, I've had probably 12, 13 jobs in Dow um, over my career. So I've had lots of great opportunities. It's almost like I've worked for different companies. I, I was a sales manager for the UK and Ireland for Dow, lived in uh, England for three years. It was almost like working for a different company. I feel like I've had a very fulfilling career, even though I've been with one company my whole career. One thing that I, I see young women do is they put their head down and they work really hard and they just assume that someone's going to notice their good work and they'll get the next opportunity. And I would say that's okay initially. Um, you always need to prove yourself in, in every role you have. But at some point, you need to start being able to articulate what you want to do. And is that four or five years into your career or longer? It really depends on where you are and what your ambitions are. We have people that have been a sales representative in the same territory for 25 or 30 years. I have a really good friend who uh, is a sales rep in the Panhandle of Texas, and her husband ranches there, and she's worked for us for 30 years, and she's had a great career, and she's always lived in the same place, and, and that was her career ambition, to be able to ranch with her husband and still work for Dow. So it really depends on what you want, but to be able to articulate that and then start to understand what are the steps to get to where you want to go are really important, and that's where I see women sometimes have a harder time trying to articulate that or even figure out, well, I don't know what I want to do next. And if you don't know, no one else is going to know. And that leads to missed opportunities for, for roles when you can't articulate where you want to go in the future. That is really true. You have to be your own advocate. You bet. And at least get through that exercise in your own mind of where you're going to head. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any other uh, bits of advice just from your experience that you'd like to share? Yeah, have confidence. And, and I've heard this in many discussions around diversity. When a female's offered a job, many times she'll say, well, I'm not sure that I'm qualified for that or I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. And the male will always say, oh, I can do that job. And they may not have any more qualifications or even have less but it's a confidence factor. Throughout my career in Dow, um, I really learned how to be confident, even if I wasn't 100% confident that I could do that job perfectly. If it's a job I really wanted, I said, yep, I can do that job and I really want it. That's not always natural to have the bravado, I think, but I think it's very important because a lot of your male colleagues will, will have that confidence, whether it's warranted or not. In many cases it may be, but in some cases it may not. If you're going to compete for those high-level jobs, then you need to have the confidence. You're not going to be shortchanging yourself if you put yourself out there a little bit and have a little confidence, I think. Yeah, I really don't know that there's any other way to grow, at least to grow quickly in your career, other than just stretching yourself out there and see mm -hmm. if you can. And oftentimes we kind of surprise ourselves. If we've been comfortable in a role for a while, uh, you kind of forget what it's like to, to stretch yourself and just how quickly you can learn and adapt and, and really be successful in who you are. So I'm going to change gears a little bit on you. Um, and I'm going to ask you a little bit just about agriculture as a whole and kind of where you see things going. What are you most concerned about right now that's within your sphere of influence at Dow? Or just in um, agriculture as a whole? When I look at the future of what we're trying to do specifically at Dow in terms of bringing new technology, whether it's new crop protection products or whether it's new seeds and traits, the whole regulatory environment is becoming very challenging, whether it's trying to get an import approval for 
a new trait that is going to be imported into China or a crop protection product that has been delayed three years at EPA because activists have been suing the EPA over decisions they've been made. The transparency is really lacking in terms of timelines for us to bring new technology to the market. And that's the lifeblood of our company. We're trying to bring new technology to farmers so they can help feed the world. It seems like there's barriers after barriers, whether it's you know, activists that really don't understand that farmers are the best stewards of the land that we have, and we're trying to provide them with the latest technology to help them continue that. I think people are more worried about making a stand versus really understanding something. They read one article on the internet and assume it's accurate. So how do we as agriculture really tell our story? our sustainability message, our growing for the future, and the fact that almost all farmers want to pass their land on to the next generation. So they are the best stewards of the land. We are behind, whether it's in social media or just the general population, on being able to tell our story. Um, And we're a very small population compared to the the whole world out there. We we definitely need to do a better job of that. And and that's something that I worry about for the future. I'm with you in that. Um, We work with a number of different entities to attempt to tell that story, but it's got to be told on a lot of different fronts. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of all have to take responsibility for at least part of it because it's definitely feeling like an uphill battle. So can you talk at all about how Dow feels about that and and their efforts to bring the farmer's story forward? We're trying to get involved with industry associations. We've worked with all of our major competitors putting a website out, GMO Answers, where our scientists are there answering questions that the general population and consumers have about GMOs. I will tell you it's really hard for some of them because it's not very nice what some people say when, you know, they're trying to use their free time to answer questions that that people have real concerns about. People on social media can be very vicious sometimes. That's one example. I think another example for us is making sure that our own employees, because we we have employees that didn't grow up Uh, with an agriculture background. They may be in our supply chain. They may be in our um, legal team that don't necessarily have that ag background. And if they're at a dinner party or if they're somewhere and they get challenged on what Dow does, are are they well-equipped to be able to answer those questions? So we have an internal push to make sure that all our employees can answer those questions about the technology that we're trying to bring to the market. And finally, we're all trying to get more involved in social media because that seems to drive um, even our president (laughs) in terms of how he communicates. Myself, I try to tweet occasionally as well. So I think it's important that we try to reach out to the general population and the ways that they communicate today. So that's an effort that that we're working on with Dowager Sciences. Well, that's great to know that you guys have got your shoulder to the wheel too, because it's it just really feels like we've all got to do something about it. And for those of you who don't know, it's gmoanswers.com, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Excellent yes. website on just how to have a conversation where you don't lose your cool <laughs> and you really can speak rationally about the emotional aspects of, of how people feel about GMOs. Because for a lot of people, I think it really is an emotional topic and it can be difficult to navigate gracefully, especially because uh, social media, as you know, if people feel like they're a little bit invisible, it can go out of hand quickly. Very, very much so. Yeah. yeah. So when you are to the point, and I won't say when you step aside from your career because you've got a long 
long time to work ahead of you, but what is one thing that you hope people will say about you? I hope that people will say that I was an advocate for agriculture and for what we're trying to do, that I was a good developer of people and teams. Because I feel like if you have a very good team that's really working well together, it's amazing what you can accomplish. I've had the opportunity to work on great teams in the past, to to lead great teams. The collaboration that we've had and in Dowager Sciences, and it's really a little bit about our reputation and our culture, that's a legacy that I would like to continue to contribute to and, and hopefully leave when I, when I move on to do something else or retire. Well, thank you, Suzanne. Then my final question for you is going to be, is there a question that no one ever seems to ask you, but you've got a great answer to it? If I came back in another life, what would I be doing? And I have had this question. Nobody has asked me lately, but I always said if I came back in another life, I would love to be a barrel racer because I always thought they had so much fun and they got to wear really cool clothes and hats. I showed cattle, which was a little more subdued. So I thought being a barrel racer would be really cool. But one, I had to be afraid not to fall off of a horse and mine used to buck me off on a regular basis. (laughs) In another life, that's what I would have liked to do. A wonderful answer. So any final advice? for our our young women? Just to say that there are tons of opportunities in agriculture for all young people. There will be lots of jobs available in our industry, whether it's in animal agriculture and crop agriculture, uh, in machinery. There, There are so many opportunities. And while we're going through a bit of a downturn with low commodity prices, um, the future is really bright. And we're going to need the brightest and the best to be able to uh, continue to feed the world population. It's a great industry to be a part of. It is a relationship industry. People care about people. Once again, you have to work a long time in your career. And to me, there's no better place than in agriculture. Well said. That's absolutely how I feel about it, too. Well, thank you, Suzanne, for your time today and such wonderful advice for our audience. Um, I really, really appreciate the time that you took out of your day because you are an incredibly busy person, but you had just so many great things to share and we really, really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.